Man of Science, Man of Faith is now back with season two, which is streaming on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you can find your podcast. The first episode back is about the many saints of Newark, the new Sopranos movie. I will be playing bass with Violet Moons on October uh, 23rd at 114 Rose Street in Berry Hill. It's $8 at the door, $7 if you dress up in a costume. The other bands playing are Phoenix Red, Gentry Blue, Lungs, and Sally Duhon. I think I said that last name right, but I'm not sure. (laughs) And today we have Josh and Felicia Sullivan of Year of October. Thanks for having us. Of course. Thanks for coming on. So you guys were just talking a little bit about uh, some gigs you played this weekend, and I know you were saying you do some as a duo, just the two of you, and then you'll do a set with James playing drums. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, what is this split on that? Because I know you guys used to work and do all that stuff, and this is what you do full-time now, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd say it's about 60-40, uh, 60 being a full band with James and 40 being the, uh, just the two of us. So um yeah like uh we do we do quite a bit of both uh usually multiple shows a week at least um but yeah we we definitely it, it keeps it uh keeps it interesting for sure Well you guys are always fucking hustling <laughs> I always see you posting about some gigs you're playing t-shirts vinyl all that shit you're running things like as a legit business We try to it's, I mean, uh, when we quit our jobs, we were like, we have to be able to make this work and be sustainable and keep our house. And so we, we figured out ways to push that besides just playing shows and the merch and the vinyl and everything really helps, I think. And I think sometimes it's hard for musicians to view it as a business, but I feel like you kind of have to. And it took us a while to be able to figure out how to kind of do both sides of it. Well, what was that change that happened when you started viewing it as that? Was it a gradual thing or just one day where you're like, holy shit, we got we to gotta get on our game? Um, I definitely think, um, I think it was over years, honestly, because uh, it was, it was uh, we would, you know, we'd figure out one thing and we're still figuring out like things every day. Doesn't stop. Doesn't stop. And, uh, and you see how other bands are, are functioning and how they're working and what works for them. And, um, and you, you know, you adjust and I think, uh, uh, 2020 was a a big changing point for us just because 2019, even though we toured all the time, uh, we didn't have the best, uh, online presence, like it was okay, but we were, you know, relying on playing, you know, five or six shows, uh, every couple, you know, every two weeks or so. So, and, 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 and you know how it is in person, it's way easier to, you know, here's our CD and here's our here's our T-shirt because they see you live and if they like it, then they might check out your stuff. Uh, online, it's another it's a whole other thing. You have to find people that are, you know, there's, you know, everyone's online, but you got to find the people that would be interested in your stuff. So that's tough. Yeah, that is the the catch twenty two of the internet because now we have the complete ability to get all of our stuff out there that we do, but we have to find. You have to find the people that are actually interested in what you're doing. Because mm-hmm. if someone's interested in listening to like Doja Cat or something like that, they might not necessarily be into what we do. Or maybe. Right. And, and, and uh, that's something that I'm, I'm – everyone – what I've realized is everyone's different. And just because they like one thing doesn't mean they won't like your thing. And just because it's, it's easy to, uh, to pigeonhole uh, people online, but it's like you see such a small portion of their life too it's like you really can't the portion that they want to show exactly yeah 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 yeah. so so some of those people who are super poppy online maybe deep down metal like hard rock fans (laughs) you never know yeah (laughs) yeah i i it's amazing to me because it's like for me i listen to everything i do like doja cat for the record um but music in general it's just whatever is good and whatever makes me feel yeah exactly that's why i don't I don't understand the people that limit themselves to one genre because I feel like liking everything not not necessarily everything but liking a different variety of music helps me grow as a musician you know because like if I'm listening to like bluegrass or old folk or something like that I feel like a lot of the writing is really good and I can use that sort of writing and my lyrics and kind of grow that way from something that I might not be able to gain from like I don't know, a new rock band that we can listen and grow from too. 
Yeah, uh, and I definitely think listening to a broad spectrum of things, it just it keeps, you know, like you said, it makes you happy. And that's the, the, the key is just, like, listening to stuff you like uh, because you like it. You know, there doesn't have to be, like, a specific reason. You know, I, and I, I used to be bad about it. I used to try to classify, like, why I liked something. And sometimes you just like it, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, th- this morning for me, I was in a, a jazz mood. Uh, mm-hmm. The past couple of days I have been. So as soon as I got in my car, I was just putting on all kinds of weird, random 60s jazz records. Nice. I think it was because of, of actually the Sopranos movie because there's a scene in it where uh, like the main character of the movie goes to visit uh, Ray Liotta in jail, mm-hmm. and he's like, "If you want to talk to me, basically, you have to bring me a jazz a jazz record I really want, which is The Birth of Cool by Miles Davis." Oh yeah, oh, yeah, great record. Which yeah, I wasn't familiar with that one. I always knew what's the other one that he has. Uh, kind of blue. Kind yeah, of blue. Kind of blue is great. Yeah. yeah, I knew that one, but I wasn't familiar with with Birth of uh, Birth of Cool. So I just started going in and listening to it and seeing all the musicians on it, and then you just go off on this jazz tangent. Yeah, that's uh. Jazz tangents are the best. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's really cool. Um, I definitely need to see that movie. Uh, too. <laughs> it's but. fucking good. Nice. I liked it. Are you a Sopranos fan? I've actually not. I need to watch the show too. It's that's on our list. We haven't watched the Sopranos. I heard you have to, you have to watch the show first, right? Um, I mean, I would say it stands alone. There's a lot of references to the show in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could start off with watching the show because technically it's a prequel, right? Oh, okay. It's like him as a kid, right? Uh, yeah, it's Tony Soprano as a kid, but he's not the uh, the main character. Ah, uh, okay. Um, it follows like the guy that was his mentor that he looked up to, uh, Dickie Maltasanti. And it's really about his story and his impact on Tony. Cause you kind of see the way that he is in the movie and how that influences Tony and all of that. So gotcha. Okay. For a full breakdown, listen to the new episode of Man of Science, Man <laughs> of Faith, season two, episode one, nice. all about the mini saints of Newark. Excellent. So tell me a little bit about what your guys writing process is. Um, on, uh, on Wastelands, uh, when, cause James, uh, joined the band in 2019 and we wrote that whole record with him. And, uh, usually like, like I had all these ideas built up, uh, over a couple of years since, uh, our 2017 release Trouble Comes. So for Wastelands, we, I would, I would bring in the idea and sometimes Felicia would have some vocals for it, but we would just jam on it. And, uh, um, from that it would, you know, you'd be like, oh, here's the chorus, and kind of figure it out. We just play it and uh, and just see where it would take us, honestly. Um, that's, uh, and in the past, me and Felicia wrote everything, just the two of us, and uh, up through that third record. And uh, it was really nice and freeing to be able to uh, uh, feel like you could go anywhere with the song uh, with the three of us. Especially with James Varner at the helm. Oh, he's oh, yeah. great, yeah. He's I've been playing with James now for a couple of years, and we probably played in five or six different projects together at this point. And he's just so easy to play with and to be around. So it creates a very freeing environment. Oh, yeah, it's great. He's super chill and just kind of down to go with whatever we wanted to do, which yeah. was nice. And he's, and he's such a diverse drummer, like... He can play heavy, he can play, like, on top of the beat, behind the beat, like, and do it in the same song, and it just makes it exciting, because it's, And like, change his snare based on whatever it is you're asking. Oh, for. man, yeah. He'll change, uh, on this, uh, on Wastelands, I think he played three different kits, or two different kits, two different kits on Wastelands. On this new record, we just, we just finished tracking drums for a new record, and uh, he, uh, I think he played three different kits on that one. Like, and they all sound very good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, playing with him for me, it's uh, a great experience just because I know no matter what I play, it's going to sound like I'm playing better than I am. You know what I mean? Yeah, he definitely elevates everybody for sure. Well, you guys have an interesting setup, too, because you don't have like a bass player. Right. You, and you have in the past, but you kind of made this switch at a point where you're playing guitar, Josh, and Felicia, you're singing, mm-hmm. and then James is playing drums. Mm-hmm. Right. So what was that process like of kind of moving more into that direction with the live setup? Um, we had done it for a while. Um, we originally did it because Josh was originally our bass player years ago and um, had 
uh, falling out with a guitar player and had some shows booked. So Josh and I had written all the songs with him on guitar, so he just switched. And that's kind of the first time we did it with just playing with guitar and drums and vocals. Um, Yeah, so we had a pretty decent beat on it. Um, And then, uh, yeah, with with James, honestly, it was when we uh, went to that, because our our bass player uh, stopped touring with us and playing, um, it was so it was so easy to uh, improvise with just the two of us, and like in the middle of a song, like he, you know you don't have to play it the same way, and kind of made that exciting, and we, all three of us can go with it because you don't have a third member doing stuff. So that was kind of a cool thing, and I just kind of changed my setup a little bit, you know, and and uh, and just go with it. I, we always say that we're a very adaptable band. <laughs> What pedals did you start using in order to do that? Because you you kind of do this thing where you have those low notes that you hit, and you play some like gnarly riffs. You're a Les Paul guy, right? Yeah, yeah, I got my uh, Les Paul. I I use a Pog uh, a lot, the octave pedal, and I I use it when I when we had a bass player, but I didn't use it a whole lot because it just gets kind of muddy with the too low end. But uh, with just the three of us, I use it quite a lot. Yeah, it's really cool, and and just like crank up the fuzz because that. My fuzz pedal has a little natural low end boost as well, and uh, basically just uh, you know low end on the amp all the way up. <laughs> so nice, yeah. Well, you you really learn it too by touring and figuring out what's not working on stage, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Because we've all had those gigs where we've just eaten shit. <laughs> oh yeah, they're so fun. Yeah. No, we definitely, um, it's definitely always like, uh, okay, don't do that again. You know, oh, this song I gotta keep it here or you know like it's it's always a uh, uh, making notes and, and mental notes and figuring out what you want to do live for songs and uh it's part of the fun of it you know for sure with all the other things that happen on the road in addition right to that. right yeah stuff breaking cars dying yeah yeah <laughs> flat tire leaving something at the gig james told me a couple weeks ago about that uh that you guys were like driving back from somewhere and you broke down at four in the morning or something like that? Yeah, the transmission died in the van and it was on uh, July the... It was actually so... Our show was on July 2nd, so it, we broke down on July the 3rd and no tow trucks would come and get us. And it was like yeah, we were, nine miles from our exit to get back home to Nashville and no tow trucks would come and get us. We would... I would literally hire, like I call in or hire, I'd, you know, call AAA and they're like, we got a guy on the way. And, and I would see it on my phone, like alert, like, you know, 20 minutes away. And then 10 minutes out, he would cancel because they'd be like, oh, they're outside of Nashville. I guess they were figuring they could make more money staying inside Nashville with all the, with the holiday weekend. Um, it was 4th of July, maybe? Yeah. 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 So it was third. Um, So we ended up, we had a buddy come pick me and James up because James had to work, and then yes, Josh stayed classic. with the car I didn't, for like twelve hours. It, he, yeah, it we, took him twelve hours to get a I, tow truck. To I finally got home at like three o'clock in the afternoon. And was, how long were you brutal. guys out on the road for when this happened? It, that was just a one-off because yeah. we had just played in Kentucky that night, oh, so okay. it wasn't like a long, yeah, yeah. trip back. That would so, have been thank awful. Goodness, uh, we had also saved a dog that day. It was just running around in our yard, and we didn't know what to do with it. And there's no info on the tag. It was just a big mess. So we had a dog in our backyard that we didn't know what to do with. And we were like, "We'll just get it, home early, feed it, and figure it out." And then the transmission dies. We have this random dog in our backyard, and so every like 30 minutes, somebody would be like, "And there's a dog in the backyard." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so a weird day. We, yeah, we ended up grabbing the dog because we were right next to Old Hickory Road, and the dog was running right for the road. It, like, it was like four in the afternoon. Oh no! And that's so, a busy road too. So yeah, we were like, all right, let's get this dog. And then the caller had a, a number, but the number was like not uh, attached to anything. Like it didn't work. So yeah, we ended up. It was a mess of a day. We ended up finding the the owner though through a Facebook group or something. So. The dog got back home. It's funny how life works that way sometimes. Right. <laughs> Did you see that outage that happened on Facebook and Instagram today? Yes. I don't know what, what that was about. I don't either. It was weird. Yeah, that was a... Uh, it was out for hours. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. I uh, think it just came back on. Yeah, it, it did, came yeah. on because we, we posted at like 445, so it was on like right back then. Do you guys use for like social media, are you disciplined in like when you post and how you post and all that or is it just kind of random yeah we post about the same time every day and we make sure to post once a day yeah it's uh yeah we try to yeah try to have a schedule and and we'll 
figure out our posts for the week. Usually, we're trying to like schedule them out a couple days out, and sometimes they're like you know minute of, but. Yeah, but uh, gotta keep up with the yeah. algorithm for sure. So. Yeah, the algorithm controls all, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> well, it's it's our uh, our doorway to the, the people that want to hear us, mm-hmm. right? Potentially, you know. Um, I've I've found it hard to be like a balance because I'll go through phases and cycles where I'll be super disciplined and I'll plan out all my posts for the week. And I'll have them just drafted, ready to go. And then I'll go three weeks without really posting anything, except for like when the podcast comes out, I'll post something day of. But right, no, I I totally understand that for sure. Um, and we were like that in 2019. We were like pretty consistent, but we would sometimes have days off, and we just we've had a pretty good string of stuff. So we're just like we I think we've barely missed any days this year, like maybe two or three days. That's disciplined. You guys are really wanting to fucking do it. Yeah. yeah. You put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Yeah, we have to. I feel like if I say that this is what I want to do and this is my job, then we have to put all, like, everything towards it. That's, I mean, that's what we did when we worked I mean, regular jobs or whatever. You know, I did what I was supposed to do and I did it well and that's what I want to do because I love this. Like, I want to do that more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it takes a... I think a, a certain learning curve and also you have to be a little bit of a self-starter in order to do that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we're definitely, uh, it's definitely very DIY on our end. Like we do all our own booking, uh, do all the social media, uh, do, you know, pretty much, pretty much everything. Um, we even make a lot of our own merch, uh, which Felicia started doing last year. The, like the t-shirts and all of that? We do, we do, like the Fuzz Rock Soul t-shirts, we have like a maroon and black one, and we screen print those ourselves. Um, the other ones we've ordered through um, people. But yeah, some of those we do screen print ourselves. We do, uh, she does the some of the hats, uh, or actually all the hats, and then uh, our koozies that we do, and uh, they look great, and she's actually started doing them for other bands as well, which is pretty cool, because like... Uh, Bands have, have liked our stuff, so we're like, hey, look, we can do a couple of hats for you, or, you know, like a small batch thing you could never do through a, a bigger website or something. Hashtag hustle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where did you guys grow up at? I grew up in western Kentucky near Paducah, the okay. little tip of Kentucky. And I'm from uh, Lexington, Kentucky. So you met in college? Yeah. Yeah, we met in Lexington at the University of Kentucky. And were you so, like working together, studying together? How did you meet? We met through friends. Um, we ended up being in the same college at the University of Kentucky because he studied um, telecommunications, or which is basically just audio engineering and stuff. Um, and I did broadcast journalism, so we ended up being in the same college. But we met through friends first, and then we started dating. And so we dated for about a year before we started writing music together. Wow. Well, that can be challenging in itself, being in a relationship. You guys are married now, right? Yeah. yeah. Of course, because mm-hmm. you have the same last name. That was a stupid yes. question. No, that's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I, I imagine that can be very challenging. I don't know if I could personally do that. It, it definitely is. And that's one reason we, we like, because we, we played, I played in a band before we started our own band, and she sang a couple other things. And it just, it kind of happened, like, naturally. Like, we were just like, hey, we should play this song, you know, and. Um, then we started writing and like we did a couple of covers and then we started writing our own stuff and, but we definitely, I definitely didn't want to jump into it even though I knew she could, I knew how great of a singer she was, but I knew how challenging it can be, you know, to play in a band of people. Sometimes it, people get mad or, you know, it doesn't end well all the time. So it's, uh, and like we do still get mad. But, like, I feel like that's normal in any sort of working relationship. But, like, I think it's good because we call each other, like, on our bullshit and stuff. Like, if he's doing something or if I'm doing something, we'll call each other out and be like, no, you need to do this or you need to get this done or you do actually sound good. Like, I think that's another big thing is, I mean, I feel like other musicians do, but I know I get down on myself a lot and don't feel like I'm that great. And he does the same thing. And we can always be like, no, like, shut up. You're good at what you do. Like, just do it. Yeah, I think uh, for myself, I have that little self-critical voice where it's like, I'll play one note. It wasn't even a bad note that I didn't (laughs) want to play. And I'm like, fuck, 
Right. I'm the worst bass player alive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh no, I I totally understand. Uh, I th- and I, I I on the same same note talking about that like with with us two uh, being together throughout because we've been we've been married ten years and we've been a band for about eleven. Wow. And uh, it's been. I I can't I can't I don't I mean I can't imagine doing the band a band for that long without somebody else like tied at the hip you know because it'd be it'd be hard I mean you, you you we lean on that's what we lean on each other when we need to because um, there's definitely moments where you're like gosh nothing's you know working or like you know do people actually enjoy there's moments of self doubt and and oh, it's yeah. even even without like the playing aspect be like oh do people people want us to play, you know. Does anybody give a fuck? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and that can be the social media thing too cuz you see other bands and you're like, "Oh my god, all these people love them. Like why do they not love?" And it's like, "I can't We've we've started like talking about that. We're like, "We can't compare yourself to other people all the time." And I I'm really bad about it and it's like I just have to we just have to do what we do and and be ourselves and um you can learn from other people, but I don't think we should uh um necessarily uh compare ourselves. No, for sure. I think uh, there's a quote, death is the comparison of joy. Yes. That's a, yeah, great quote. I can't remember who said that. I think it was maybe Martin Luther King Jr. or someone like that. But, that's that's um, solid. Yeah, it's, it's true, though. I mean, I think uh, just, just this world that we've created, especially being musicians with social media, it can, it can be super hard to, to feel that way, you know, because you don't know if anyone's ever going to give a fuck. And I think somewhere along the way, I thought, well, I give a fuck. I give a fuck about what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. first yeah. and foremost, I'm a fan of music. I'm a fan of podcasts. I'm just a fan in general. So I just started thinking, I just got to make stuff that I would love and maybe other people will love it mm-hmm. that are like me. Totally. And that's but, really how we approach stuff too, is it's like, I like this song. If someone else likes it, that great. that's great. But I want to do it because I like it. Yeah, no, that's that's 100%. Uh, actually, we were doing an interview, and someone asked who our target audience was, and I said, "Well, first, it's me. <laughs> if I don't like it, I'm not going to play it well. Yeah. Or I'm going to like people who know if you're fake. You know how it is. You see someone you oh, like, yeah. you can tell if they're faking, or if it's not genuine. And they could be great at it, but it doesn't connect because they're like, you know, for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, it's uh, uh, that's something that we're we're always learning about and, and trying to to strive towards is make music we enjoy ourselves. It's easy to get on cruise control, too. For sure. Especially when you're playing the same songs over and over and over again. I know for myself, I have to, like, whenever I get hired for something or whatever, it's always going to be a little bit different every time I play. Like, no two takes are going to be the same. The basic idea is going to be there, but I think uh, in the end of it, whatever the finished product is, it should be capturing a moment in time. And I, I feel totally. the same way for live shows too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I fully, I fully agree with that. A hundred percent. It's like, you know, with music and, and film, those are the only two mediums that like encompass like actual time, you know, and they should, you should always be, you know, striving to do something like exciting for yourself. It's like, it, not just for yourself, but for the, you know, for the song and always should strive for the song or if, you know, in the comparison of film, like for the scene or, you know, it's not necessarily self glorification, but like, uh, how does this serve the song better? And, uh, take, having a take and having it slightly different. Sometimes it's what you're feeling in the moment. I feel like, uh, uh, is more important than a, than a perfect quote unquote, perfect take. That's what I was going to say. You say a lot is strive for a feel, a feel rather, rather than perfection. And I feel like that's what we do a lot. Yeah. Well, you guys definitely have like a heavy, like post-apocalyptic feel. <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah, I love that, it. <laughs> that's how I would describe your music because it, it's like one part like White Stripes, one part Queens of the Stone Age. Like that's what it makes me think of. No, mm-hmm. oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, you guys have this super heavy feel and especially with James as your drummer now, it, yeah. it, it it's like that fucking, he hits through the drums when he plays. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's that's definitely cool and it's like, um, I, had, I don't know, I had somebody else ask me too, like how we came up with the sound and it's like, I, I don't know how we got there. It's like, we just, like all I was saying was writing the music. Like a lot of times we'll just play something and it turns into something, something else, you know? And it just happens. Yeah, yeah. And that's the excitement of it is, uh, 
is the is the not sure where it's where it's going to go, or, or kind of like the um, on not planning part of it. <laughs> well, when you're uh, aspiring to to be like a person who is pursuing a craft, like it's those hours that we put into it when we're in a, alone in our bedrooms that make us the players and the musicians, the singers that we are. Mm-hmm. Right. All that stuff starts to compound, and it's like little shit can start sneaking in that you didn't even hear in yourself. You know, you just start doing like a little lick or something, and you're like, "Oh, that's that's because I like Green Day," or "Oh, that's because whatever whatever it is." You know, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, totally. Um, and and that's yeah, that's the it's all yeah, it's all the time that nobody sees, and you they see a thirty minute set, and they don't see all the <laughs> hundreds of hours or thousands of hours. Put into that crafting, of writing, producing, practicing with the band, yeah, mm-hmm. fig- figuring out your gear, like, uh, um, and then and then like you said, there's a, I think what's the, I think it's a, I forgot the quote. It's like there's like a million, a million notes, but there's only a couple like good ones. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? So yeah. it's like there's a million decisions, like billions of de- there's infinite decisions you can make, and it's like figuring out the ones that work for for you and for that song. Um, which is, yeah, the excitement of it for sure. Well, what inspires you guys? I, I know just from, from talking to you, it's not just music. It seems like you're into film, you're into books, you're into all of that. So what do you guys read, listen to, um, watch whenever you're trying to be creative? Is there anything that always you go back to? Um, I mean, so somebody we always <laughs> reference in... Um and when asked this question is Stephen King. Uh, we love Stephen. And He's from my home state. Yes, yeah, heck yeah. Maine. Um, but I, I don't we love all his books. We have several songs that are kind of roughly based on the Dark Tower series of his and also his book on writing. Um, I feel like is very inspiring for any sort of creative person. Um, it just talks about just doing it. Like if you want to write, then just write. And if you want to play music, then just play music. If you love it, you'll find time to do it. And I think that that's cool. Honestly, his on writing book, like changed the way that I think about like creating because like it was, it was that inspiring and it kind of made me think outside of my own box. And I'm like, okay, how do I, uh, apply this to music? And, And he talks about music in his book too. Um, but he's, you know, very inspiring. Um, we, we read a lot. We listen, obviously listen to a lot of music, but, um, another thing we read, we read a lot of graphic novels too, uh, aside from, from books. Um, and then we also, With we movies, watch a lot we of focus films. on directors a lot. Like I love Edgar Wright, um, and, uh, Wes Anderson, um, you're a huge Scorsese fan. Yeah, Scorsese. Oh, my, dude. He's my favorite, <laughs> yeah. uh, my favorite director. I mean, that's honestly like watching his stuff is like watching a symphony or something like, you know, it's got like controlled chaos and he talks about in, um, in the movie Casino, just a perfect example of like, love that movie, like mm-hmm. talking about like takes and stuff. There's a, the scene in the bedroom where, uh, Robert De Niro and Sharon Stone are fighting and I think he like slaps her around a little bit. It's a pretty brutal scene. And they're like, but they're having, you know, this marital fight. Um, the camera is panned over and the camera gets hit. And you can, there's like, you know, that's a, 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 me, a quote unquote mess up, you know, from the, but they left that take in because he's like, the take outweighs the technical side of it. And he's like, he's like, we did, the other three takes weren't as good as that take. And you don't even know, if you're watching the movie, you don't even notice it because the, the acting is so like, ridiculously good like you feel like you're watching like a real you know fight with two crazy people <laughs> scorsese's one of my favorites too. Oh, he's amazing i love the departed that's probably my favorite movie of his movie's it's awesome great. i yeah i remember going to see that in college i was uh, i saw it the opening night like 12 o'clock showing movie's awesome i think i saw it three times in theaters <laughs> yeah yeah, Mark Wahlberg is definitely my favorite in that movie. He's he's great. He's Sergeant Any Dignam or whatever. Yeah, or, yeah. He's, and he's uh, Martin Sheen. Or he's like uh, Sergeant Dignam has a style all to his own. After he's cussing out Leo. A <laughs> uh, little factoid about his character in that movie: he said uh, he based it off of actual Boston cops that would arrest him and like, that he would get <laughs> oh, in trouble with. Funny. And then he gets nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. That's awesome. No, that's I think that's his best role for, for that I've seen him in, you know. Oh uh, yeah. He's great in it. But um 
but yeah, Scorsese. Uh, I know she said Wes Anderson. I'm also big ta- Paul Thomas Anderson fans. Nice. Uh, Boogie Nights is a great movie. Oh, oh yeah, man. it's so it's good. great. And it's like, yeah, sometimes like watching film or like reading a book or something, you like, I don't know. It's it's because um, I. I'm not going to say, like, I hear notes or something, but I hear, like, a vibe, you yeah, know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, and definitely, I mean, soundtracks in movies are, are huge, obviously, and Scorsese always has some of the best. Oh, yeah. And, um, but, like, uh, uh, Johnny Greenwood's soundtrack and, like, There'll Be Blood is, like, one of my favorites. Uh, his uh, his soundtrack and The Master is also amazing. Two, two other... He did the one in Phantom Thread, too, right? Yeah, he did. They're all so good. Um, Have you... Oh, go ahead. Uh, uh, have you seen the trailer for the new Edgar Wright movie coming out? Oh, yeah. Last Night Soho? Yeah. I'm so excited. I think we haven't gone to the movies, I mean, in forever, because they were closed down and everything, but I think that that might be our first movie back, and yeah. I cannot wait. That movie, and then there's, uh, that movie looks awesome. Did you see um, Licorice Pizza, the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie trailer? Uh, I might have. What is, what is that about again? Uh, the, the title just sounds familiar to so me. It's a child star, like, dealing with his own fame. Uh, it's Philip Seymour Hoffman's son's first movie. Oh, shit. Okay. So, uh, cool. and it's got Bradley Cooper as, like, a, he's, like, a big shot actor. Like, he's, like, you know, wearing all white suits and stuff. I, I, I guess, all Paul Thomas Anderson, I love his trailers because they don't tell you a ton, and that's the way it should be. And so I'm, I'm real excited to see that, too. I think that comes out. I think this fall sometime. But. I just saw Venom as well, the new Venom movie. Oh, we haven't oh, yeah. watched it yet. Have you seen the the first one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Venom 2 was pretty good. I really? enjoyed it. Woody Harrelson was awesome. I love Woody Harrelson. He's yeah. a, he's the man. Yeah. They ha- and then it has a great, uh, great post-credit scene. I won't mm. give it away if you nice. haven't seen it yet. Nice. But I'll give one hint. It is related to the new Spider-Man movie coming oh, out. Oh, that's exciting. That's awesome. I'm excited for Doc Ock. That's all I really care about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it, it's going to be like Spider-Man No Way Home. That's the new one, right? I think that's what it's called. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really enjoy those Spider-Man movies a lot. I think, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tom Holland? Tom Holland. He's a great Peter Parker and a great Spider-Man. He is. He is. He's, he's got man. a good attitude for it. Yeah, he's really good. Um, there's a there's so many good movies coming out yeah. this, uh, this fall, like... You got the new Ridley Scott, like the last duel movie. Yeah, yeah, with Adam Driver and, and uh, uh, Matt Damon, Matt Damon. And Ben Affleck, and like they're well, cr- they wrote it, right? Yeah, they wrote it. Yeah, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon wrote it. It's their first screenplay since like Goodwill Hunting. Oh, shit. I didn't uh, know that Ben Affleck wrote it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's in it too. He's one of the lords. He's got like blondish hair, bleach blonde hair, bleach blonde hair. Their hair is ridiculous in it. It looks amazing. <laughs> okay, so what do you think of Ben Affleck as Batman? Do you love him or do you hate him? Have we watched one with him? I don't think Batman? we have not watched. We've gotten one. real behind on our superhero oh, stuff. Oh shit! Yeah. yeah, I haven't watched one with him as Batman. I I like Ben Affleck as an actor. I really liked him in like Gone Girl. Oh uh, yeah, that's a great the, movie. yeah that movie's awesome. The and town, the town, oh, yeah, the town's, town's great. great. He's a great director. He directed the town too. Gone Baby uh, Gone. Have you seen that? Yes. yes, that's my favorite of his directed. Um, which that's a great book series too. Uh, I didn't know that was a book series. That's actually like the fifth. Or sixth book of a series by Dennis Lehane, so it's weird because it. I, I read the book series and I saw the movie, and the movie's great. Don't get me wrong, but it's weird that it throws you in the middle of it because, like, his relationship with his girlfriend, like you see, where like they. Well, I won't spoil it, but anyway, his relationship with his girlfriend has a lot of baggage at that point. And uh, anyway, great series. Highly recommend Dennis Lehane stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing. Um that he's probably like a Boston writer or a New England yeah, writer. Yeah, yeah. He wrote Shutter Island. Oh, he also okay. wrote he wrote Mystic, Mystic River. River. Uh, oh shit. Yeah. Okay, so he's had a lot of like big directors adapt. Yeah. yeah, he he was a writer on The Wire. Oh um, shit! Like he he didn't write it as a it was a you know he just he was like writing the tele the screenplays or whatever. So what I liked yeah. about Gone Baby Gone was that it is um, it's it's what like how gritty in kind of gross New England is. Yeah. Yeah, it shows like the dirty underbelly of yes. it really well. He goes into that bar and they like close the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people when they think of New England, they think of like Harvard and all that shit. And like my hometown was your typical New England town. It looks like a, a Hallmark movie set. <laughs> nice. But there's this griminess to, to New England that I don't think necessarily people 
know about. Yeah. Right. Because a yeah. lot of times when I think of New England, I just think New England in the fall with like the trees, like the it's changing amazing. colors and yeah. everything. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like Dennis Lane does a good job of showing you the other side of it. The grossness <laughs> yeah. of it. Right. It's a lot of people on pills. <laughs> yeah. That's what it seems like in his books. Yeah. His books, everybody, almost every, even like the, all the characters have substance abuse problems. Yeah. Of some sort. It's or pretty another. accurate, honestly. Yeah. He's a, yeah, he's a, he's a fantastic writer. I think he's got like 10 books out and they're all really good. So you said you're big Stephen King fans? Yes. I was listening to a podcast recently about the Stanley Hotel. Like it was just straight up about the Stanley Hotel. And the guy who created the Stanley Hotel was from Maine and he was also the inventor of the Stanley Steamer. Yeah. Tough yeah. on dirt, gentle on carpet. Yep. We we toured the Stanley a couple years ago and they told us a little about him, but it was so cool. Yeah, it's it so awesome. interesting. Was it there were some creepy parts. I don't feel like we had some experiences that other people we know that have gone have had. But there's like a room. I don't know if it's like a boiler room or something they take you down room. into. And it's got like the original like stone walls. And that that, that was the creepiest was, part. You could. Yeah. But we, we also I, I will say, too, we went at like one in the afternoon. So like. You know, you're walking around, there's beautiful sunlight. It, uh, in oops, in Colorado. Yeah. It's a gorgeous hotel. I want to stay the night, though, because yeah. that's when I've heard that stuff has our, happened. Our friends stayed the night there, and uh, they had uh, their closet doors closed. They had a couple of little weird things. Oh, uh, shit. They, uh, Dumb and Dumber, when yeah, they, that's Jim one Carrey. of the stories they told us, because they were, like, staying in the Stanley when they were shooting Dumb and Dumber, and Jim Carrey, like, went in to like on a break to stay in his room and he was in there for like an hour or something like ran out like screaming and was like I'm not staying here you're getting me another hotel and didn't tell like anyone he made what his happened. assistant go get his bag with all his stuff he like wouldn't go back in and the he hotel. like stayed at like a holiday inn <laughs> the road or something oh shit and that, <laughs> the, you know the scene in Dumb and Dumber um, where he's like we landed on the moon yeah like, yeah yeah that's like the old their old bar I guess it was like shot yeah this, uh, yeah yeah it was, sh- it was shot in the hotel right yeah and like does the new bar doesn't it's like they have a new section and we had a drink there and it was nice but it wasn't the same because i was like i really want to see that section but it, but anyway it was it was really cool and uh, yeah supposedly jim carrey would not spend very much time there after that he won't say what happened <laughs> weird yeah. yeah spooky yeah <laughs> so spooky yeah when i um i lived in colorado when i was 20 oh nice and I, when i was looking for a place one of the places that was for rent was uh it was a room in a house that I could rent, and it was where Stephen King wrote The Shining at when he lived in Boulder. Oh, that's cool. That yeah. is cool, yeah. It was too expensive for me, though. <laughs> was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did not have the budget to drop $700 at that point in my life on, a, on I, rent. I get it. I understand. How long have you guys been in Nashville for? What, what year is it? 2021? Oh, uh, 10 years. 10 years. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay, you guys have been here for a while. Yeah. Yeah, so we've seen a lot of change. Yep. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You've seen everything kind of change over the years. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, uh, just the traffic changes. Because we we lived in Donaldson the first three years and then moved out to Old Hickory. Um, but just in, like, the first three years, the traffic patterns, I felt like, were crazy from when we moved down here. Right. It's... Uh Massive difference in how many people. I mean, just so many more people live here now, and um, and the downtown, like the skyline, looks entirely different. It's oh yeah, crazy. Yeah, I've been here for six years now, and it, it was already underway by the time that I got here. But it's a night and day difference from even the time that yeah. I got here because of how many party wagons there are on oh, the roads. Lord, we were we were at the Ascend Amphitheater maybe a month and a half ago. We saw the. Um, Goat Rodeo Sessions. Yeah, so we saw, it was like, you know, Chris Dealey, Yo-Yo Ma. Uh, Edgar Wright. Edgar, Edgar Wright. Not <laughs> Edgar. Edgar. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Meyer. Yeah, Edgar Meyer, yeah. <laughs> Edgar Meyer. Uh, I can't remember the other guys. Anyway, Stuart Duncan. Stuart Duncan. So it was like this amazing, like, classical bluegrass, like, um, you know, uh, stuff. And, and most of it's instrumental, and it's, it's just beautiful. And, like, the middle of one of their softest songs, you hear like Michael Jackson <laughs> blasting on, and people like, Wee! 
you the know, the Woo Girls. Oh my gosh! And I so everybody in the Sin Amphitheater was like, like turned and looked. It was so upsetting. And they went over the bridge, and but yeah, it was just it was funny. It was a great show, but yeah, it was just funny to see that like <laughs> the juxtaposition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. they started laughing on stage because yeah. they could hear it. <laughs> Yeah, there's no way of avoiding it now. Ascend is a great venue, though. Oh, it was oh, awesome. Oh, yeah, we've yeah. seen some great shows there. Yeah, I saw um, a couple of years ago Arctic Monkeys. That's oh, what we I was going to say. Yeah. That show was amazing. Yeah, for yeah. Tranquility Base Hotel and oh, Casino. Oh, my God. The it was, was so awesome. good. Yeah, I loved that they had, like, um, I was trying to figure out what exactly Alex Turner was doing with the stage setup, but I think he was, like, having it an inside joke because. They made it like this Vegas style show setup, yeah. and I think that's his way of saying like we're washed up now and we're playing our greatest hits. <laughs> that's that's, that's what it made. Well, me and think also of. to have like the riser with the drums and stuff is very like fifties, like and like yeah, it was interesting. Um, it made it me feel like show. I was in the like you know in the song where he talks about everybody watching on the VR. And they're like watching him play or whatever in Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. And that's what it made me feel like. I was like, I'm one of the people who are watching him, like with my VR on, and you're on this beautiful stage. I don't know. I love that album. It's so good. That's my favorite album of theirs. Oh, really? I love it. It's so good. We listened to it the other day um, on our way out to Hicks Farm. it's not my favorite of theirs, but it's so good. Yeah, it's great. They're I love that band. They're awesome. <laughs> yeah, there's rumors that they just got done recording a new album. Oh, that's heck supposed yeah. to come out next year. That's exciting. That would be wonderful. I wonder where they're gonna go from Tranquility Base, because it's quite different than like AM and stuff. Yeah, so. no, yeah. It's the the total opposite. But I think any great artist, they're always kind of changing and evolving. Cause really their only two albums that are similar to each other is their first one and their second one. But even those are different from each other because it's like the first one's really about their environment and then the second one's really about experiencing the world and like all the harshness that can come along with that. Right. Um and then the third one is just them on fucking mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that band. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do. I wonder who they pr- worked with on it. Because so, I know they have that dude they work with on a lot of their James stuff. James Ford. James Ford, yeah. yeah. Didn't Josh Homme do, uh, did he do Humbug? Or he did, did Humbug. He, do, he did yeah. Humbug, yeah. That was so good. Yeah, Humbug's great. That was my favorite record of theirs for a long time. Because it reminds me, I, I love like Halloween and spookiness mm-hmm. and all that shit. And that record, to me, it sounds like a dark carnival. You know? Yeah, it totally. does. Totally, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Because I feel like you can, with Josh Homme doing it, you can feel a little bit of the uh, Queens of the Stone Age coming in For on sure. it. And it's just, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so good. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're a good match for it. My favorite song off of Humbug is The Jeweler's Hands. Oh, yeah, that's oh, great. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Because that, that bass line is just, doom, 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 doom. It's just so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They always, they always have, they always like, I love listening to their stuff, especially for the first time because they always surprise me where they go with it. And it's like natural though. Like it doesn't seem like they force stuff, but it just happens. And it's just very good about that. I love, they're definitely, as you say, they're definitely one of our favorites for sure. And um, I'd say, especially with Felicia, like the way she sings, like. Um, I can hear a little Alex Turner and I love and Alex her. Turner. Yeah, I think he's one of my favorite writers. Like his lyrics are just amazing. Well, especially on Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, oh, yeah. he oh he covered so many different things because it really like predicted twenty twenty for sure, mm-hmm. and it came out I- isolated. Two years, yeah. yeah, before that happened, mm-hmm. right. That I don't know. I have, one of my favorite lines of his is in um, Perhaps Vampires is a bit much, where he um, says, all you people are vampires and all your stories are stale. You pretend to stand by us, although you're certain we'll fail. And I'm like, that's so good. It's so good. He had a lot of <laughs> venom when he was young, didn't he? Right. <laughs> and the, yeah, big F you to all his... Uh, so you know, so-called friends or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's like you face that whenever you're trying to to do something. It's like, it, like do something creative. You know, I can right. I can relate to that in Nashville because it's like, who actually really likes me and wants to see me succeed, or is it just yeah a political ally? Is mm-hmm. that what they're seeing it as? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it does feel like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot, and there's a especially in Nashville. It's weird because it's it's so competitive, but like. 
I don't know. You get a lot of, you know, like the classic, like, yeah, good show, bro. You know, but yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. it's like I'd rather someone not talk to me than give me a platitude, you know, or just, you know, it's like, if you don't like it, it's cool. Like, you know, you don't have to talk. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot, I was say, saying that though, there's a lot of, we've met a lot of really good, the people we're in with now, everyone's super supportive. And uh, uh, we've had met a lot of really great people uh, over the last couple of years. And, but it's taken us a long time to, to figure out uh, who we vibe with, I guess. <laughs> who are some of your favorites? Uh, we've, uh, Dirty Delusions. I uh, love those dudes. Um, Red River Hymn is awesome. Uh, Dangerous Method. Um, Casey Joe and the Friday Night Dads. Friday Night Dads are good. Yeah, yeah they're great. We love them. And... Um, there's a lot more. I mean, we're friends with like the Weird Sisters and fuck yeah, yeah, and uh, Eldridge Band. I know we talked about them earlier. Yeah, um, Echo Pilot. Echo Pilot. Uh, let's see. Oh, Nahoda. Yeah, we just played his Nahoda's birthday show great. last week at the Five Spot. It was it was pretty fun. I love playing at the Five Spot. I do it's too. It's great. The Place sound is, awesome. is always so good. It is. Yeah, I played there maybe like a month or two ago with Violet Moons. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and um, it's so fun playing with them because they're they're just so fucking good, like singing together. And it's a, it's a different kind of gig for me playing on bass. Cause I'm like trying to not step on the vocals whatsoever. Right. right. So I'm playing these very simplified lines and I'm having to have like a lot of discipline in my playing to not just play like I'm playing with Teo and James or like I'm playing with Josh Norfleet or anyone that I play with. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. You're uh, um supporting their harmonies and and their yeah i'm familiar i've seen them live before i obviously haven't seen i haven't seen them with you yet but uh their stuff's always really captivating and it's good stuff well they have like a similar kind of vibe to you guys with the spooky yeah 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 yeah. i know they got hex man yeah yeah (laughs) that's a fun one witch hunt that's that'd be that'd be fun to play bass on that'd be that'd be a good time because you just just playing in that pocket and a couple of little little notes every now and then exactly are you doing like muted stuff on that or? Um, it depends on the song. Um, mainly I've been playing with a pick. Some of the s- songs I'll do with fingers. Right. Um, I actually, I used to play on my bass. I had, um, I had like a mute, you know, those old school mutes. Yeah, that's that what I was mean? wondering. Cause yeah. I was, that stuff would really tailor well to that. Or even just play, if you're playing with a pick, like muted right yeah. hand stuff. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, which I, I yeah, when I heard, uh, I think James told me you were playing with him. I was like, oh, that'll sound super dope. Yeah, like, thanks, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah no it's, it's been great. It's been um, a match made in heaven, honestly. That's cool. I love playing with um, with female singers and female artists and all of that. Because uh, what I've found, like, playing music my whole life is that usually women are a little bit easier to work with than dudes. Um, as far as singers go, because you would think, oh, the whole diva thing, no. Any dudes that I've played with, I'm not saying this for for all the dudes that I've played with, but it's a lot more common to have that diva personality in male singers than it is women singers. I've, uh, yeah, I've definitely yeah. noticed that myself. <laughs> <laughs> we may have encountered a few. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, no, that's funny. No, no, that's, that's cool. Um uh, you do so there are you uh you and a drummer and those two just four of you or uh, yeah so it's me on bass um mike from the lovin on drums oh nice and then josh norfleet's playing guitar oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Ki- uh kiera plays keys and she sings and then aubrey plays guitar and she sings oh okay cuz the other, aubrey and josh are dating right yes okay yeah. another another couple's band yes <laughs> yeah for well, that's sure that's cool that, I, that would i definitely need to see you with that lineup or see them with that lineup yeah well come see us on october 23rd at 114 let me see 114 rose street in berry hill oh nice i think we are in knoxville that day oh, always is that a saturday yeah where are you guys playing at Preservation, Preservation Pub. Pub. Fuck yeah. yeah. I played there with James before. We played there with Dustin yeah, Sellers. Right. Yeah, you yeah, told yeah. us about that. No, that's cool. We played there not too long ago, and oh, yeah. um, at the end of our set, someone on the second floor had 
dumped a bucket of ice and it had gone all on the floor and it had melted. And so in our last song, water just started pouring on top of me and James. And Josh is on the other side of the stage and he didn't realize anything was happening. So he's still like going away and we're well, like, stop. I heard, just I like heard James pouring. stop and I saw him like, I thought his kick pedal went out or something because he's like moving stuff. So I was just like, oh, okay, I'll just get low. And let him fix his thing. And let me let me do a vibe. I'll, I'll yeah. va- I'm gonna vamp here on this like F sharp or whatever. But no, it was a freaking waterfall. And, and yeah, James was like, "No, dude, help me with stuff. <laughs> <laughs> grabbing a towel." Thankfully, and, it was clean water though. Yeah. Like it wasn't like toilet we, water or we anything. Thought it was a toilet that or not toilet uh, pipe, pipe that bust. burst. Yeah, and so we were like, "Oh, let's it was just, so it was just someone. It drunk was just dumping ice water. water. I yeah, yeah, I don't. It was a. They said a, a big bucket, like one of the like plastic like water bucket things full of ice. Oh shit. Had been dumped I, and I melted on. The they ground. actually knocked it over on accident or something. Uh, yeah. But it was freezing. Yeah, like wi- like like wiping off all the stuff and it was just su- <laughs> but at the same time I'm really glad it happened where it did instead of on my electronics. Which yeah, that's it was true. a lot of water. Um it would have fucked your setup. Yeah, uh, yeah. it would have been bad. Oh, the last the band had played after us. Because this was like we finished at like midnight or something. And uh we're finishing our set. And the last band had like seven members, so their stage is just which kind of reminds me of what the stage was like for you for guys. Dustin yeah. Sellers. Yeah. James yeah. was saying you were behind your ramp and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. So um, they were setting up, and and you know we were they were literally like the people who worked there were wiping down the stage and like cleaning off the rug and all this stuff, all this water. And the singer and the guitar, they have all this gear up there, and they're like, "That's not going to happen again, is it?" Yeah. Because I was like, "That'll ruin everything." Because they had like keyboards and oh shit, and yeah, so a lot of electronics. Yeah, yeah. It was a so lot. Like, the the bartender's like, "It will not happen again." And they're like, "Okay," because that wasn't a pipe. Like they had to they had to like tell the same like explanation like probably ten times. Everyone was freaking out, <laughs> right? That yeah, all yeah, their yeah, yeah. Shit is gonna get ruined. <laughs> yeah, but I could they they started the first song they started. All of them were like looking around, <laughs> like unsure, you know. Yeah. So, what gigs you guys have coming up? Uh, our our next uh, we'll say we got a Nashville playing Nashville at the five spot on October twenty first. Uh, playing Bowling Green, we're playing Ted Balls on Thursday. I hear that's a great place. It's very it's fun. Awesome, yeah. yeah, we always have a good time there. Yeah, we're playing uh yeah Ted Balls. We got a couple shit. We're doing a a, uh, a duo set. We do a couple duo sets at a winery up in a couple wineries up in Kentucky, uh, up in Lexington. That's a lot of fun. Um, but then we got that little run. Uh, Magbar in Louisville, the Comet in Cincinnati, Cherry Street Tavern in Chattanooga, and the Hideaway. Yeah, the Hideaway. Yeah, in Johnson City. Those dates, it's like October thirteenth uh, through the sixteenth. And where can people find you at online? Um, Year of October. If you just search that on any of the social medias, so like Instagram, Facebook, all that, it's Year of October. And then we have Year of October dot com or Year of October dot Bandcamp dot com. Nice. Cool. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, Yeah, thanks thanks for having having us. us. This is great. Yeah.